Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. If you need a Bible, these guys have them. Just wave at them. And while they're doing that, I'm going to share uh, two real quick things with you while they're handing those out. Uh, number one, <clears throat> if you would help us in... if I, Those of you who go down at 9.30 into that end of the building, into our children's end of the building, whether you're an adult and you're an adult class down there, uh, or youth or whatever, uh, if you would help our ladies who are at the desk and make sure that you have whatever identifying marker you need that you're supposed to be down there, okay? That just helps uh, us. And we get lax over time. We know everybody, at least, you know, and we're, we're just real comfortable and all. But there are certain security measures they put in place for protection of children and parents and everybody involved. And it helps us if you know. So if, if it's a sticker you have to put on, please do that. I know it's a, sometimes you have to stop and do that. I think with the youth, Nathan's getting you guys lanyards or something you can just put on. But whatever it is that you're supposed to do, if you would do that, would you help us? Don't make it hard on our ladies because they don't want to be meanies to you. And all, they, they love you. But it just helps us. And you want to help us in making sure that we, we keep our children and all of the workers down there. We want to we want to keep things orderly and safe and what we need to do. So if you'd help us with that, that would be great. And um, I'm, I know you will. All right. Along with that too, would you save the date? All right. With me, September the 20th. Am I right on that date? September 20th, September 20th, which is a Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to meet right here. The entire church. I'd, I'd love to have all of you join with. We're going to spend some time in the word and praying and worshiping together. And you say, how is that different than Sunday morning or other things? There'll be a lot more emphasis on prayer that night and, and praying about things. You say, I don't really do prayer. I would encourage you to come. First of all, nobody's going to make you pray out loud. We're not going to put you in a position where you feel uncomfortable. But this really is the heart and soul of who we are here at LifePoint. And I believe that the Lord in this day and age has called us even more so to be gathered. And when we're gathering together as a body of believers, to be calling on the name of the Lord about everything in life and be talking to him and listening to him. And so would you mark that on your calendar? I'll give you more information in the weeks ahead. But September 20th, we're going to gather here and it'll be a very, very special time. All right. So make sure you make note of that. Now that you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Colossians 3 and Matthew 18. Colossians 3 and Matthew 18. We'll start in Colossians 3, and uh, we'll move over to Matthew 18. This morning, I want to talk to you about an app. As we continue in this series, Apps for the Modern World, this app probably has had the greatest impact on my life, on my Christian life. Um, I think I can say that in all honesty, that it has had the greatest impact. It is also the most difficult I knew that when we started this series, somewhere along the way, the Lord was going to say, today's the day to preach this message. And today's that day. I, I, I say that because though I believe in this with all my heart, I do believe this, in my opinion, is the greatest weapon that the Lord has given you and me, or the greatest tool that he's given you and me to walk in freedom, is what we're going to talk about today. And yet, as we go through it, and if you've had to walk through any of it, or if you are walking through it, you'll understand when I get started here that this is the most difficult thing you'll ever do. There is nothing, I don't think, in life any more difficult than what we're going to talk about this morning. So as we begin, I want you to look at this passage with me in Colossians chapter 3. 
Paul was telling the church at Colossae, he said, I want you to bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We're going to talk this morning about forgiveness. And I will tell you that if anybody tells you that forgiveness is easy, you can look at them with a lot of confidence and say, I'm not sure you've ever done it. 18 years ago, this year, Lori and I were in our first church. And um, I was young back then, much younger than I am now. I was young and dumb, but I didn't know it. I thought I knew it all. And um, I, I really thought I was God's gift to church ministry and had lots of great plans and things. And, and the Lord was, he was faithful to work in my life and continue to work in my life. But um, the church I was in, I went into the pastor one day because we'd been having conflict, tension. And I said, you know, I, I just don't think I should be here anymore. I don't think this is going to work. I, in my heart, I don't know if the words actually came out of my mouth, but in my heart I'm thinking, you're holding me back. And um, I could be doing great things for God if it weren't for you. It was in my heart. And those words didn't come out of my mouth, but it was there. Remember, he looked at me that day and he said, Troy, if you do this, it's going to be very damaging to the church. And he said, I also think it's going to be damaging to you. And, um, and so the, the Holy Spirit was so faithful because he began to speak to my heart after that conversation and days ahead and began to show me a little bit of just the pride, the arrogance. And so I, I went back to the pastor and said, you know, you're right. I, I don't want to do anything to hurt the church or I, don't want, to, I want to hear the Lord and, and, and do what he asked of me. And, and I did see, I think the Lord had revealed to me, I saw a little bit of the pride in my heart. I didn't see it to full extent. I saw a little of it. And um, I actually asked forgiveness of that pastor. Um, and then I asked him for permission to go before the church and ask their forgiveness for attitudes of pride and arrogance. And I meant it. I really did. What I understood, I meant I just hadn't gone nearly deep enough yet. Most of it was still surfacy for me. But I was trying. And over the next six months, I was trying to do better. I was trying to be humble. It's hard to try to be humble, all right? It really is. Um, I was trying to be more of a servant. But the Lord makes you a servant. You don't make yourself a servant. And, um, and so I was going through all this. And then six months later, one Sunday morning, I walk in and there was a letter on my desk and it says that you're no longer an employee of this church. You don't work here anymore. And I was, I was devastated. I mean, it's like, what? I thought I was doing better. I was patting myself on the back in a humble way. You know, <laughs> I was doing better. And, uh, I remember thinking, you know, because my first thought was, I, I'm overwhelmed, who do I talk to? And my first thought wasn't to talk to the Lord. It should have been, but it wasn't. That was my first thought. Let's talk to the Lord. Uh, that, that wasn't where I went. I was going to talk to somebody, but who do I talk to? And I couldn't talk to Lori because I knew if I went and told her this, because we, we still had to go do a service. This was Sunday morning. We had to go lead. I was leading worship at the time. And I was doing music and youth um, back in those days. And so I had to go lead a worship service, and I thought, I can't tell Lori, because she was playing, 
And this would be incredibly difficult. I didn't want to put that on her. And I thought, I don't, can't really talk to anybody within the church because this will create this big stir on a Sunday morning. I don't want to do that. I'm, God brought an old friend to mind, and I called him, and he came, and we sat, and actually sat in the car, and he prayed for me that morning. And I went in, and by God's grace, went through the service, and even Lori didn't know what had gone on. I told her afterward that afternoon. And, you know, we began to go through it. I'm not going to go into all the details of all of that, but I'll tell you something that happened in my heart that started that day. And it was a process of years of working through which is tremendous resentment and bitterness. Tremendous. And um, I'd lay awake at night and just churn on the inside. And um, I would think about things, at least my perspective of how I remembered them. And I would go through them, I would rehearse them and relive them. I would think of conversations I would have with, you know, individuals. What I would say. Most of it wasn't nice. Most of it wasn't. When the scripture says we're to pray for and bless our enemies, I, I was thinking of blessing in a different way. And um, I wrestled with all of this. I share this with you, not in a disparaging way on anyone in that situation because quite honestly, God was at work. And I told the group last night as we were sitting at dinner, I would say that in my life that getting fired is the third greatest thing that's ever happened to me. The first was knowing Jesus. The second was marrying my wife. The third was getting fired. And some say, well, what about your kids? Well, that's great too. But I honestly believe that God knew I had to get fired before I had kids. He knew I had to. That was a, he had to take me through that. I want to talk about forgiveness a little bit this morning. Things that I share with you I didn't know then. Had to walk through. And a lot of what I, kind of, I believe the Lord wants to share with you this morning, I had learned in process and from other people walking through the process. I want you to understand something this morning that usually when we start talking about forgiveness in a church setting like this, three thoughts will go through your mind. One of three thoughts usually will go through your mind. Number one, I know that. Yeah, I know forgiveness is important. I know that. The second one is I've done that. I've already, I've already forgiven Troy. I'm good. You can, you, we can go home early today. All right. Or the other response is often I can't do that. That's impossible. You don't know what you're asking. I want to make it clear. I'm not asking anything this morning. Jesus is asking, but I'm asking nothing of you. As a matter of fact, if I could write the Bible, I would have written this part out. Okay? If I could find a way this morning for you and for me to be free without forgiveness, I would preach it to you. I would. Because I don't like this. This is not easy. As a matter of fact, you may find it the hardest thing you've ever done in your life depending on your story. And you're listening to my story and thinking, I wish that's all I had to go through, Troy. You don't know, and I don't. And some of your stories, if you got up here and shared them, we would weep ourselves dry over what has happened in your life. I am not minimizing your pain. I am not minimizing the hurt that has happened to you. I'm telling you that the only answer that I know, and I have studied this book a lot, the only answer I know is forgiveness. 
It sets you free. It may not change anything else, but it will change you. Let me tell you real quickly before we dive into this what forgiveness is not, because sometimes we, we have a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not denial. Richard comes up and hits me in the jaw, and I go, that didn't hurt. That's denial. I have pain. I'm just denying that it's there. We often do that, and we call it forgiveness. Oh, that didn't hurt. It did hurt. So denial is not forgiveness. Neither is repression. Do you understand repression? Repression is I'm going to stuff it. Push it down. <clears throat> I'm going I'm to I'm grip my teeth and I'm going to swallow hard. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. Maybe it did hurt, but I'm okay. I'm going to repress. I'm going to push. Forgiveness is not the other person getting off scot-free. See, sometimes that bothers us because we have the thought, if I forgive them, then they just get off scot-free. I mean, that's not fair. That's not just. That's not right. That they would sin. They would do something wrong. And they just get off scot-free. Forgiveness is not the other person getting off the hook. It is not. It's neither is it you and I bringing about judgment on that person. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I've heard people often say, I want you to forgive and forget. I don't think you can. If you've ever been hurt deeply, you're not going to forget. You're going to remember in a new way. I want to say that again. I don't want you to miss it. You will not forget, in my opinion. I've not forgotten the deep wounds in my life. I remember them with a new way, in a new way. So it's not forgetting. And here's another big one. It is not being a doormat. Some people will say, Troy, if I forgive, that means I have to go back into this horrible relationship as it is and just have this happen over and over and over again. You and I, forgiveness is not being a doormat. Jesus does not want you and me to respond in anger and try to bring about judgment or fairness on our own. But neither does he want you and I to stand by and allow unrighteousness to be acted upon us. Do you understand the difference? Let me give you an example. When Jesus goes into the temple, remember there were the money changers in there. And Jesus says, you're in my father's house and you are desecrating my, he, it shall be a house of prayer, which by the, reason, by the way is one of the reasons we gather in September on the 20th. My house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. But he said, this is, this, is, this is my father's house. It's a house of prayer. You've turned into a den of thieves. You've totally perverted. And the scripture says that he, in his righteous indignation, he ran them out of there, all right? He did not sin in doing it because we know he did not sin. So there is, it is appropriate to not allow unrighteousness to continue to happen against you, but to not to do that out of hate or anger or resentment, but to do it out of a place of love and mercy. And only God can do that. If you and I, because James says that the wrath of man, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not. When we're trying to affect God's righteousness with, with a hard heart, with anger, with bitterness, with resentment, we, it is an impossibility. It can't be done. All right? So forgiveness is none of those things that I just talked about. What is forgiveness? And I'm going to simplify this for the sake of time and the message this morning. There's a lot more that we could share and, and maybe should share in other settings. But I'm going to simplify it this morning. Forgiveness is, first of all, 
And, and you need to understand in all of this, forgiveness is not something you do. It is something that God does through you, okay? God did not intend for you to be the originator of forgiveness. Let me ask you something. Were you, were you the originator of your forgiveness over sin and, and, and bringing you from darkness into light into God's family? Were you the, did it start with you? No, it did not. It started with him. Forgiveness that you give to someone else has to start with him. It doesn't start with you. It's his forgiveness that flows through you. All right, this is really, really important. This is why when the scripture says, if we don't forgive, neither will the Father forgive us. And most people interpret that to mean God's up in heaven going, you don't forgive, I'm gonna get you. We make God as petty as we are. He is not. He's not standing up there saying, you don't forgive, I'm not gonna forgive you. You get your act together and then I'll give you a little something. No, that's not grace. What is he saying? He's saying forgiveness starts with me and it runs through you, but if you will not forgive, you block it off. So you can neither receive it or give it. It's not that he's not giving it or he's unwilling to give it. It's that you're unwilling to receive it. Now, the first step of forgiveness is a decision. It is the grace of God poured out in your life and a willingness to make this decision. I'm going to tell you what the decision is. And when I tell you, you're going to understand why it's so hard. And you may even think, that's not fair. And you're right, it's not. It's not fair. I'm not preaching a message of fairness this week. Okay? I preached that on the 42nd day of August, all right? Some of you still haven't got there. There are not 42 days of August, all right? <clears throat> We're not going to talk about fairness at all. Here's what you have to decide. Here's what I had to decide. I didn't know it. I didn't put it in these words then, but I had to come to a place before the Lord and be able to say, Jesus, I am choosing to bear the consequences of that person's sin against me. I will bear it for the rest of my life and never again lay it to their charge. I'm going to say that again. Jesus, I am willing to bear the consequences of their sin against me for the rest of my life and never again lay it to their charge. Now, if you're like me, you're sitting there saying, Troy, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. That's not even right to do. Why would you ask? That is not fair or just or right in any way. Colossians 3, what did it say? The, the reason these are apps they're really neat verses. They look great on a coffee mug or a t-shirt or whatever, but when I try to actually apply them in my life, they get really, really sticky. What did he say? Forgive in the same way that Christ forgave you. How did he forgive you? He said, I will take the consequences, not just the consequences, I'll take the penalty and the guilt of their sin on me. I will bear it and never again lay it to their charge. We don't have to take the guilt or the punishment for their sin just the consequences, the consequences that affect us. Do you understand why this is the hardest thing you'll ever do? And depending on how you've been hurt and what's been done to you, you're sitting there thinking, there's no way I can do this, and I would agree with you. I've had times where I've been sitting across the table or in a chair next to someone, and they're telling me their story, and I'm weeping. And I'm sitting here thinking, Jesus, do you really want me to tell them that they have to forgive? Is that really what you want me to tell them? And I do. 
And I have seen God work miracles in people's lives when they would simply start, and it starts with this decision. I will bear the consequences of your sin against me for the rest of my life and never again lay it to your charge. Now, if, you've, if you're thinking about this or you have tried this or even would think about trying this, you immediately think, I'm not sure I can do that. Well, let me tell you right off the bat, you can't. But you can, just like we do with salvation. Because again, forgiveness is the heart of Christianity. It is the heart of the message. Forgiveness for the world. Forgiveness for you and me. Forgiveness for sin. Jesus died for our sin. He took the guilt, the punishment. He took all of it. He took the consequences. He took every bit of it on himself. And he did it for us so that you and I could be saved. Forgiveness is the heart. This is the message that we share with everyone, that Jesus did this for you. He did it for me. He did it for us all. But he says that I want to not only do that for you, I want to do it through you as a testimony to the world of my power at work through human beings. Because there is nothing, I think, in my opinion, there is no time in our life that we look more like Jesus than when we forgive. especially when someone doesn't deserve it. Because that's the next thing. They don't deserve it. No, and neither did you. And neither did I. We did not deserve it. What they did was bad. Yeah, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it weren't. I know all of that. When you and I are willing, by the grace of God, to make this decision, I will bear the consequences of their sin we're going to talk about some of those here in a minute because we're going to get to the second part of it. But I'm willing to do that for the rest of my life and never again lay it to their charge. That begins a process. There's a spiritual dynamic that happens there. There's something that, that God does. It's released. I, I can't explain to you. I've just seen it over and over in my own life and the lives of others. There is something that, because there's the natural world that you and I live in that we can see and there's a spiritual world that we cannot and God's working in both. He's working in both. And so when I do that, it does two things. Two things begin to immediately happen in me. The first is, well, let me talk about the second, really, because this is where we need to spend our time. And the Holy Spirit keeps saying, get to this point. All right? You know what he does? He begins the healing process in us. It starts, though, at that moment. Just like your salvation. Your salvation began at a moment. The grace of God was revealed to you. The Spirit of God drew you. You began to see the message. and it, 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 there was, it was revealed to you, and you responded in a moment. And in a moment, you were changed. In a moment, the, the power of that was broken. The power of sin was broken in your life. In the moment, the moment of forgiveness, the moment I decide the power of that is broken, in my life and the healing process begins just like in my salvation how many of you got saved and immediately you were just a full-grown you know mature believer knew everything could do everything just exactly the way jesus wanted you no I mean, we're still not that are we but a growth process began well the moment of forgiveness the moment that decision happens in my life the power is broken and healing begins now that healing process can take a while you say healing of what 
you don't have to turn there, but if you were in Matthew 26, Matthew 26 is the story of Jesus going to the cross. He's in Gethsemane in 26, he goes to the cross in 27. But you want to see the things in that story that Jesus, the pain that he had to bear. I'm not just talking about the physical. We focus often on the physical pain. But have you ever looked at the emotional pain that he had to bear? If you were to go through and start looking at this, in verse 40 of chapter 26, Jesus has to deal with the apathy of his friends. They just flat out didn't care that he was going through the most difficult moment in his human life. Why? Those closest to him fell asleep <laughs> three different times. He kept coming back and waking them up and they'd fall asleep again. They just weren't all that concerned about what he was concerned about or entering in with him in that. He had the betrayal of his friend. Judas comes to him and kisses him. And Jesus says, friend, do what you have to do. And he wasn't being sarcastic. Judas really was his friend. He was betrayed by his friend. You ever been betrayed by a friend? He was misunderstood by those closest to him. Even Peter, after all that time, didn't get it. He's still trying to bring about justice with a sword. And Jesus puts the, the servant's ear back on and tells Peter, Peter, you don't get it. You still don't understand. He was mistreated by those who tried to help him. Verse 55, it says, those that he had walked with and all, they were the ones who were mistreating him. They were the ones who were accusing him. They were the ones who were hurting him. The ones he had helped. Not people he didn't know, who had no contact with him. He was falsely accused by the ones who were supposed to protect him, the leaders. Ever been falsely accused by leaders? By a parent? By a boss? By church leaders? He was physically abused in verse 67. He was mocked in verse 68. In verse 70, we start the account of Peter, who probably was Jesus' best earthly friend. He was certainly in his inner circle. And he's betrayed by Peter. In the next chapter 27, he's tied up, he's bound and taken where he doesn't want to go. In verse 20 of that chapter, he's exchanged for the guilty. You ever felt like you had to bear the punishment for somebody else's guilt? Somebody else did it, but you got, you got the consequence, you got the pain, you got the blame for it. Jesus knows. He was stripped and shamed in verse 28. I don't want to minimize sexual abuse but in, a, but in a sense this was a form of he was stripped naked and bare before everyone he was humiliated he was tortured in verse 29 he was spit on in verse 30 I've, been, I've had someone spit in my face it is the most demeaning dehumanizing thing I think that you could do to another individual is to spit in their face. It shows utter contempt for a person. Jesus experienced all this and more. And yet, the scripture says, and see, here's why I tell you we have to make a decision. 
Jesus made a decision to forgive all that before it ever even happened. Because he's in the garden. He's in the garden. He says, Lord, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, can't we go that way? I don't want to go this way. Is there any other way? I felt that way at times before the Lord. Lord, is there any other way besides forgiveness? I'll go any, tell me, I'll go any other way. Is there any other way than this way? Nevertheless, not your will, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, he made a decision. He said, I'll follow you down this path. I'll go. And then he's on the cross and all this is going on. And he looks up and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. He wasn't just talking about the physical things that they were doing to him. It was all the emotional pain they were inflicting. He was forgiving them for all of it. Father, forgive them. They don't know. So here's the second part of forgiveness. Because it's, at first I didn't understand this. When the Lord began to speak to my heart, and I began to forgive, and I'd say the words, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. All my heart, I forgive them. I didn't know at that time really to what I was sharing with you, and I learned later to pray, okay, Lord, I'm willing to take on, bear. Because somehow I thought with forgiveness, everything, it's like wiping the slate clean. It doesn't exactly work that way. What happened to you still happened. Consequences may still come. They may never, ever see what they've done and repent or change. I've had situations where I've had to forgive people, but they never changed. They're dead now, but they never changed. They never saw it. They never asked forgiveness. They had never acknowledged anything wrong. But the healing process begins because I'll come back to the Lord. See, I didn't understand this until years and years ago. I asked forgiveness, and I felt better. In that moment, there was this exchange that took place. But it didn't seem to last very long. And a few minutes or a few hours or a day later or whatever, all of a sudden, shame came back or bitterness came back or anger came back. Or I'd think about them and this all would stir up all over again. And i go, Lord, I, I, I said I forgave them. You know, I, I prayed and told you I forgave them. And all the, what, what's going on here? There's a healing process. And here's what I would encourage you to do is when, the, when those things come up, be able to take that to the Lord and say, Lord, I forgive them for the shame that they... Because, see, when I got fired, I was angry. I felt like I had been falsely fired. I was scared because I didn't know what the future was going to bring. Lori and I, we didn't have anything back in those days. And now I had even less, didn't have a job, um, didn't know what was going to happen. There was shame of losing your job and being fired. There's embarrassment that goes along with it. I mean, there's all of these things. And so the Lord would, one by one, he'd take me back through, and, and I'd be feeling that, and I'd say, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. And would you take that? Would you speak to it? And he, he began to speak to that, that shame, that anger, that embarrassment, that desire to give it, get even. Jesus experienced every one of those things on the cross. Every one of them. Not just the physical, but the emotional. And he brings healing to each one. That process, sometimes I've talked to people where that seemed to happen almost immediately, but that's a rare conversation. Most people I talk to, it's a process. In my life, it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. 
And I would just keep coming back and say, Jesus, it's hurting again. I, I forgave them. I know that part's done. But I don't know that what I said I would do, I don't have the strength to do. I need you. And he said, I know I intended that all along. That you come back to me. I need you. Are you with me? You understand? Do you understand why this is the hardest thing you'll ever do? I want to share something with you out of Matthew 18, and then we're going to wrap this up. As a matter of fact, Lori, if you want to come play. Um, in Matthew 18, Peter, I love Peter. If Peter weren't in the Bible, there's so much dumb stuff I do that I wouldn't know was okay. And because uh, Peter, I just love him. But Peter comes to the Lord one day after Jesus is talking about this whole idea of forgiveness. And Peter comes to him and says, Lord, how often am I supposed to forgive? Would seven times be enough if they sinned against me? Would seven times be enough? Now, don't give Peter a hard time because based on what the rabbis taught and based on Amos 1.3, there was a belief among the rabbis, among Orthodox Jews, that God only forgave three times. The fourth time, you were in trouble. And they based that on Amos 1.3. Um, and so Peter was more than doubling what the rabbis taught. The rabbis taught, you got to forgive three times, but the fourth time, you can let them have it. You don't have to forgive anymore after the fourth time. So Peter, is, he's gone way over what the rabbis taught, what he thought even. Peter's like, hey, I'm going further than God, Jesus. I'm even going further than the Father. The Father only forgives three times. And Jesus looks at him and says those famous words, no, Peter, not seven times. 70 times seven. Peter's doing it. He's a fisherman. He's doing the math. Maybe he called Matthew to get the accounting right. I don't know. That's 490. Jesus, I can't keep track of 400. I'll, I'll lose count. And Jesus said, that's exactly my point. You'll lose count. But in the process of forgiving 490 times, you will develop a pattern, a habit of forgiveness. I'm telling you, that's what Jesus wants to do in you and me. Because we get offended in, in big painful ways that are life-altering. And then there are little things that happen almost on a daily basis where we get offended. And he says, I want a pattern of forgiveness in all of it. I want to express my forgiveness through you every day to everyone. If you were to go through this whole story and of there, Peter, and the story, because then he tells the story of the, the guy who owed his master, I think this story says 10,000 talents. The, the equivalent, think of it this way, $100 million he owed and he made minimum wage, okay? Think of it in those terms. He owed $100 million and he made minimum wage. And the guy calls his debt, he calls in his marker, he says, hey, you owe me this, pay it. And he pleaded for more time. Give me more time. I'll pay. He could have given him four or five lifetimes. It wouldn't have been enough time. He couldn't pay it back. It was impossible. And the master knew this. So he forgave him the whole debt. He forgave him all of it. Now this guy, walking off of that, walking out of that meeting and that encounter, finds a friend. I go and I find Roy, and Roy owes me 100 bucks. All right? 
Now, maybe he is making minimum wage, but he can still pay back overtime. He could pay back 100 bucks. No, you can't have any time. You give me what, I, what you owe me right now, or I'm going to throw you and your family in jail, which was his right. It was his legal right. It wasn't right to do, but it was legally right. And the master heard about it. And he called that servant in. Now, I want to tell you in this story, we, we, there's a lot of details. We could preach messages on this story, but I'm going to give you in four words the whole story. In four words. This is what Jesus was teaching. Forgotten grace breeds unforgiveness. That's the whole story. Forgotten grace breeds unforgiveness. Let me say it a different way. We forget what Jesus has done for us, and so we find it impossible to forgive someone else because we forget what he has done for us. Or we minimize it. We, Jesus, did you really have, I mean, I know I was a sinner, but I, I wasn't that bad a sinner. I mean, I didn't kill anybody, you know? I do pay my taxes. I mean, you know, I try to help people where I can. Lord, did you really have to die for my sin? I can get some of these other people. I can see where you'd have to die for their sin. But did you really have to die for mine? We have minimized our sin, and we have forgotten the measure of his grace. That happens when someone offends us because immediately all I can see is their offense toward me. Not mine toward God, simply theirs toward me. That's all I can see. I met with someone this week and um, their spouse left them here a few years ago. And this person fought for their marriage, they really did. Probably in ways I wouldn't have, honestly, if I'm being honest, because there was some hurtful stuff that went on in this, this whole deal. They fought for it. didn't matter. And now they're divorced and separate. And, but I was meeting with this person, and they were saying, you know, I don't like the pain of this. And if I could have written a different story, I probably would have. But I wouldn't trade anything for the walk and the relationship I have with Jesus today. That was their words to me. So I asked a couple questions because I knew I was preaching this this week. I said, can I ask you a question? It's personal. Um, when did you forgive your spouse? And they smiled and they said, well, it started on this day, but it's still going on today. It's a daily thing. I said, okay. I said, can you tell me something? Can I ask another question? How? did you do it? You know what they said? I hadn't told them any of what I was preaching, what I just shared with you. They looked at me and they said, you know what? I couldn't at first. But one day, Jesus, I was asking him, I said, Jesus, help me forgive. And all of a sudden, he flooded my mind and my heart with thoughts of how much I had sinned against him. As a matter of fact, he said, Troy, I had never read through the whole Bible before this happened. But God had got a hold of my heart, and so I was reading through the Bible. He said, I was in the Old Testament. He said, I kept reading in, the, in these Old Testament books about where God would say to the nation of Israel, you're, you're like camels in heat going after other camels, and you're, you're, you're adulterous, and you've gone after, and you've, you've played the harlot, and, and you've been unfaithful to these vows that I've made with you. 
And he said, I was reading through all this and I thought, Lord, this is weird. And, and he said, Jesus spoke to me and said, Troy, not Troy, this person's name. Um, he said to me, you are that person. You were never unfaithful to your spouse, but you've been unfaithful to me. He said, Troy, I broke. I broke. He said, for the first time in my life, I began to recognize my sin toward God. Now, he was a Christian. He was a believer. He said, I began to see the weight of it, the magnitude of my, my heart choosing someone or something else. He said, I chose my job often before him. I chose money or pleasure before him. I chose my family before him. I was unfaithful. And he said, God made it clear to me. He wasn't punishing me for my unfaithfulness. He was just simply showing me what he had forgiven me for. And that he would do the same through me to my spouse. I want you to bow your heads with me. Forgotten grace breeds unforgiveness. But the reverse is true. Remembered grace brings forgiveness. When you remember it, when Jesus shows it to you, do you know what began to set me free? And that story I told you started 18 years ago was the day that God began to show me my proud heart. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Troy, nobody fired you but me. I fired you. Because I knew, I knew what I had for you. I knew what I want for you. I know what I want for you. And I knew what it would take to get to your heart. I don't know where you are this morning. And again, I am not minimizing your story or your pain or what's been done to you. I'm just telling you, the only hope I know, the only help I know is in forgiveness. Lord Jesus, would you talk to us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you cause there to be softness of hearts here? Hard hearts can't hear your voice. So soften hearts. Lord, there may be those who have they have been bitter and resentful for a long, long time. It's such a part of life, they don't know life without it. Would you, by your spirit, pour out your grace and soften their heart this morning so they can hear what you want to say? Would you cause the lies that the enemy would be speaking right now? Would you bind and rebuke him 
in the name and blood of Jesus. The lie that if I forgive them, they're just going to get off scot-free. I have to pay all, I have to bear all the pain and they, they get nothing. Jesus, would you speak to them right now? And, and however they need to hear it, would you, would you help them hear the truth? That when we forgive, we simply release the offender back to you. You bring about justice and you know how to do it so much better than we do. say to you this morning too if you're a believer most of this message has been directed at believers but if you don't know Jesus personally today forgiveness is the heart of this message it is who Jesus is he died for your forgiveness he took it all every bit of it he paid it all he did it for you And if you will receive, you believe and receive. Just believe that he is the son of God who was sinless but took on your sin and the sin of the whole world and died and paid for it and rose again victorious over it. And he offers you now life in him. And you receive it. To Jesus, I receive. I receive the gift. I receive you. I receive your life. I can't pay for it. It's a debt too great for any of us to pay. Only he can pay for it. In a moment, when we dismiss, I have prayer partners here. And we'll even have some kind of keeping... I mentioned just folks just be looking around the room this morning. Maybe folks who don't even come here, they're just sitting in their chair. You're dealing with some of this. You're crying out to God. We'd love to cry out with you. If we could come alongside and pray, we would love to be able to do that. Just to pray with you. Not in a judgmental way because every one of us has been right where you are in one degree or another. But I can tell you what's on the other side. There is a freedom and a joy and a peace and a transformation that happens in you that quite honestly, even you are shocked at. You cannot believe it could be so. So Lord, help us today. Help those who are wrestling they are struggling. They're at that point. Lord, your grace is being applied and they're just, they're wrestling with this. Would you help them right now? Just to believe that they can just take one step of faith. You're the one who does the work. They're just taking a step of, step of faith and believing you. Help them today. Help us today. Lord, make this a pattern in all of our lives, that we live our lives this way. And thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness, that you are forgiveness. Thank you that you work forgiveness through us, in us and through us. Multiply it in this room and outside of this room today. Lord, may hundreds, thousands be impacted by the work that you do in us today. Relationships restored, families healed, people set free. We give you praise and honor. Can you sing with me? Lori's playing that chorus. Jesus paid it all. Can you sing that with me? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Sing it again with me. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. You want an exciting opportunity here in the church? You go around and you're talking to different people and say, hey, do you have a God story about forgiveness in your life? Let them tell you a little bit. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. All right? If you need prayer, I have my prayer partners down here. If you need prayer, you come. We're here for you. God bless you. You're, di you're dismissed.